Hey, I'm Tyler. I'm Sophie. I'm Locke. I'm Justin. I'm Noah K. And this is Talking on the Western Front. So, my uh, figurative language was on page 55. It says, um, <clears throat> To me, the front is a mysterious whirlpool. Though I am in the water so far away from its center, I feel the whirl of the vortex sucking me slowly, irresistibly, inescapably into itself. This is essentially a metaphor that describes um, the war, and it and it affects the reader by showing how like war is basically just an like inevitable death. It doesn't know how long it's gonna take, but he could feel that slowly that it's gonna kill him eventually. Mine is on page 63, it says, but this appalling noise, these groans and screams penetrate, they penetrate everywhere. So this is imagery of where the horses were dying, and it really shows how like terrible the war was for them, and like it, on the reader, it gives them the effect of like being able to like kind of hear in a way, like these terrible screams coming from the horses and realizing like how much pain they're in and how the horses were just innocent in this whole process because they didn't do anything wrong and they're just getting harmed really badly and dying. Yeah, and it kind of just like humanizes the horses and then in contrast to like the men or like the men being more animalistic. Um, for my imagery part, I said, uh, it's on page 67, it says, I opened my eyes, my fingers grasp a sleeve, an arm. A wounded man, I yelled to him. No answer, a dead man. My, my hand grips farther, splinters of wood. Now I remember again that we are lying in a graveyard, but the shelling is stronger than everything. Uh, it wipes out the sensibilities. I merely crawl still farther under the coffin. It shall protect me through death lies in it, or though death lies in it itself. So this is talking about how they were getting bombarded and they were lying in the graveyard and like to protect himself, he crawls under the coffin and it says death lies in it himself. Um, this is like saying the dead man is gonna like protect him. And even though like there's a dead man in the coffin, it like, yeah, it's just like, that's how he's gonna protect himself and he won't die because of death lying on top of him. I think somewhere it said like they died twice. Because yeah. they, like, save them. Later in the chapter, yeah, it says how uh, he, they died twice because the men are all thrown about and their coffins are all, like, dismembered and everything. Uh, in page 113, <clears throat> uh, he said, uh, we, have become, we have become wild beasts. We do not, <clears throat> we do not fight. We defend ourselves again. Annihilation. To save ourselves, to save ourselves, and to be revenge. It's basically talk about how they have to become a wild beast on the front line in order to save themselves and to save other people. I can also show like their loss of humanity and just not like thinking about killing other people. I mean, they've not really completely lost them. Mandy, they just had to ignore it during the, the time when they in the front line. It still showed it like when they had the rest time, it's still joking around. So. For figurative language, on page 69, 
um, Paul and Kat are being bombarded by like shells and stuff. And Paul decides to climb under a coffin. And it says, Kat and I proceed to free the wounded arm. The coffin lid is loose and bursts open. We're easily able to pull it off. We toss the core spout and it slides down to the bottom of the shell hole. Then we try to loosen it on a part. And it also talks about um, how like death lies inside and it protects them and stuff. Cause it says, it shall protect me though death and self lies in it. And I think this greatly shows um, figurative language of how like imagery and as well, like, I just feel like that. Anything else? So in the book, a part of symbolism I found was when they're being bombarded by shells and gas and Paul has to find a way to protect himself. So he goes under a coffin and in the part of the book he said death is above or death is in the coffin. I think this symbolizes the fact that death is right above them like they're about to die because he says death is in it and it's right above his head. So like it could symbolize like they're close to death, like how close it is. But what also happens is the body like is flown or like taken out of the coffin. And I think that shows that that's replacing them. So like they're about to die too because like it's an empty coffin waiting for them to die. Yeah, and they're always and, like supplied like um, with empty coffins. Like they always bring them empty coffins and they also bring them also new recruits. So it also symbolizes like an impending doom. Yeah, it's like a cycle. And then later in that part as well, it talks about how the the guys in the coffin died twice and that's just going along with the theme of death in the book and it's just uh, very symbolic of like I don't know it's like foreshadowing I guess what might happen in the book yeah, it's like a cycle yeah um so in page 63 ish there the horses are dying because they've been like shot at and the horses dying and like their pain that they're going through that symbolizes like the innocence and like the loss of innocence in war and like the pain on the innocent people in war because the soldiers in war they're also innocent and they have to go out and fight for um the people who are actually causing it like the um rulers and stuff and then like just the pain and the screaming that the horses are going through really shows how like awful that how war can like really impact the innocent people yeah and it shows how like the horses have become more humanized than like the actual humans have because it shows like th throughout the book paul is always saying how the the men have become more animalistic that way they can survive and how they don't really feel their pain anymore and it talks about how like oh uh, if you get wounded you don't feel it because of all the adrenaline and uh you don't really know about it until afterwards and all that stuff. But then, like, the horses, they're, like, there, and they instantly feel their pain, and they're crying out. And uh, it's just, like, a gruesome death scene for the horses. Yeah, I think it also, like, shows, like, a parallel. Because it's showing how the horses, like, innocent. Because the horses obviously don't want to be in the war. They didn't choose that because no one asks the horses because, obviously, they can't talk. So, like, it shows how, like, they don't want to be in the war. <laughs> and I think that shows, like how innocent people don't want to be in the war, like Sophie said, but it also is shown later in the book because, like, Paul and um, his friends don't want to be in the war. Like, some part, like, later in the book, it shows how, like, he kills another man, but he doesn't want to. And that shows how, like, no one wants to be in the war, but they're all forced to be. And it, like, connects that with different people and, like, different animals. Yeah, and I forgot who said it exactly, but one of Paul's friends who was a farmer and works on the farm is talking about how his horses got taken away and everything. And he was saying how uh, 
the horses like shouldn't even be here because they they aren't involved in our like violence and everything and like it's just terrible that they have to die for the war and it's just going along with the theme of like how they like the men and these animals have to like fight for the ruling powers that do everything wrong but nothing to fix it yeah i think that um go on to that like another theme you could say onto that is like <laughs> so like um one part in the book really said that what what is the reason for war and i think that's the ultimate theme of the book like what is the theme of war and like why is it useful because it's not like it only hurts people yeah okay so my uh symbolism or the part i found symbolism was like throughout the book there's uh nature and nature essentially is like the one form of beauty in the war like they sit by the meadows and paul later or currently still admires nature as he uh, experiences war and it's like the one reminder of home and one part in particular was in page 55 where he mentions the earth and earth basically symbolizes like their one true friend or comfort in the war when it's not really a comfort because they only use it to hide within it so basically in the trenches or when they're hiding from enemy line they always have to go into the earth so yeah it symbolizes yeah he spends like a whole page talking about just earth and he's like earth 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 with thy folds and then he says like oh earth though thou grantest us the grace the the great resistance or resisting surge of new one life so it's just like they're all attached to the earth and it's like how they're staying alive i guess yeah i think it could symbolize like a safe haven for them too because like when they get into like the not like the trenches but like when he got into the shell the hole where the shell made it he was like felt safer yeah and like later on in the book he always like admired like whenever he's on a train like when he was on the train when he was on leave obviously this is not in the sections but he always mentions how beautiful the nature is but that's like his only comfort throughout the war he never always any time like even home to him is something that's like what do you say uh no, like he's numb to his home now like he doesn't feel comfort within his home so he's like a stranger and earlier in the book he's always talking about like the nature and like all the clouds and everything and just everything to do with earth and how it's like comforting for him and everything yeah it like shows how like war brings you closer to nature because before like i wouldn't think he would think too much about nature like not many of us do but then he's in war and he starts thinking about nature and how it brings us closer to it which i think how it like um brings us closer in a way and it just shows how little these soldiers have on to like like how little they have to hold on to and like take comfort from yeah just because of their like gruesome and brutal yeah, so surroundings not, so not only does he come closer to it like mentally but also physically because he like he drops down gets closer to earth like physically with his body yeah all right and then for our next symbolism we found um the part where uh paul and cat or uh, hunting for the geese um we said that this symbolizes like lonely loneliness and love just because like obviously besides in chapter seven when he has like the relationship with the brunette there's not really any other um show of emotions from the guys and paul goes on to talk about how like 
he's getting more intimate with Cat, where he's like, oh, look at his big, broad shoulders and his big boots. Oh, what a lovely man. And he turns from brotherly love into, like, a more intimate style love for, at least on Paul's side. And it's just, like, the only show of emotion. And, yeah, it's just uh, it's very symbolic of how, like, lonely the men are and, like, how little they have to love. Yeah, and they come close to each other. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily say... Like, we don't know what type of feelings he has particularly, but it is the only, like, time where emotion is shown when they're within the war. Yeah. Any other time, they're only trying to, like, entertain themselves so they can get past, like, the depressing parts of the war, but the this only is, other, like, the only time. Yeah. The only other emotion you ever see throughout, like, these chapters is hate. For example, like... Yaden shows his hate towards Himmelstoss because of what Himmelstoss did. But, like, hate, and that's, like, the only other emotion that you see besides that one instance of love. Yeah, but it's, yeah. like, the first positive emotion yeah. Because they always just, like, joke about people dying. They never really grieve or anything, so it's, like, that's just, yeah. Because even with Kemmerich's death, he was, like, pretty emotionless through it and didn't really grieve him that much. Yeah, he did for, like, a few minutes, maybe. Like, while he was at the hospital, how he got in the fight with the nurses or whatever. That was about it. In Chapter 7, they talk about... Oh, in Chapter 7, in page 127, uh, there's a part talking about the, the butterfly on the battlefield. So the butterfly was... Lining, they land on the skull of the dead soldier. So to show how that's still beautiful in war. I mean, all those that destruction and death, but there's still hope. So that the butterfly show that how there's still hope to end the war somehow, someday soon. Yeah, and it also shows. Um since he had the butterflies, like the case of butterflies at his home, it's like just reminding him of his home and like how much he misses it. Yeah. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking on the Western Front. Today's episode, we will be talking about chapters 4, 5, and 6 of Eric Muriel Remark's book, All Quiet on the Western Front.